Hello and welcome to Consumerosity, brought to you by Layby, the show where we explore the challenges for the 20s crowd that you'll find oh so familiar. When it comes to finance, shopping, credit and the psychology driving our experiences as consumers. I'm Alex. And I'm Jen. So how this podcast works is each week we'll be choosing a different topic to dive into, exploring the weird and wonderful goings on in the world of money. Yep, actual useful financial hacks, all served up with a side of curious psychology and not a meerkat or voucher code in sight. But before we introduce this week's topic, we've got a little segment we like to call Something of Note. Something of Note. We've really worked on harmonising that now, haven't we? It's getting good. (laughs) It's getting good. So basically, we try and outweird each other every episode with strange money-related trivia. So this week's Something of Note is... Did you know that money is made in factories called mints? I did not know that. What do you think, Alex? You like it? I do like it. I've never heard that before. Well, actually, I actually never thought about it though. Yeah, you I never know. really do. You never really think about where's money made. Where money? Ma- where's money made? Apart from the money tree when you're younger. Did exactly. your parents ever say that to you? From the money tree, of course. Yeah, money doesn't come. Money doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> uh, she's made in a factory called mints, which is what I wish they would have said, so we would have known. And apparently, that's where uh, the term minted comes from. That makes sense. Do you? Does that happen in New Zealand? Do people say, "Oh, he's minted"? No, we will say they're loaded. Loaded. Which doesn't sound very. Loaded. Yeah, no, we, yeah. Hear, we have yeah, loaded yeah. here no, as well. No, yeah, loaded or rich. I've, rich, yeah. Rich. Nice, clean terms, clean yeah. language. We've got minted. I feel like you have to take the T the off there and say minted. Minted. Yeah, yes, Alex. I'm getting it. I'm You're getting, getting good. It. You're nailing it. Well <laughs> Jen, done. this week we are talking about millennial money myths and whether they deserve debunking. After all, look, everyone's heard it, but we're tired of the avocado and toast and latte comments we hear on the daily. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I, I, it's almost become old hat, like, to just hear the avocado in toast. It's like beating like, a dead horse. We've heard enough now. We get it. Yeah, no, we get it. It's and not funny. It's not true. It's not funny. It's not true. It's, it's coming out. I find in, in the comedy world as well, people are starting to trail off those stereotypes. There's still the yeah. old, odd old man reeling out the old avocado and toast. What's this about avocado <laughs> smoothies? And it's sort of, you know, but there, but it's even it's starting to die out, I think, in that world. So it's got to, we've got to start, Sort of, it's, it's ran its it's ran its course. It's ran its course, it's but but for those who still believe that that is the case, and I still think in the pit of people's tummies they do. Yeah, it's like a it's like a hangover. It's still yeah. kind of lingering, isn't it? It's still lingering. There's still some issues with it, and yeah, we need to we need to sort of debunk some of these because it's it's just not fair. And I think there's a definitely a generational thing where people like to look back, don't they, and go, "Oh, my generation never did this. You guys are doing this." And just just so we're clear, when we when we refer to millennials, we're referring to those who were born between the years 1981 and 1996. Okay. So the oldest millennial is now 37 years old, youngest is 22. Wow. There and you go. so and so where are you, Alex? Well, I kind of sit in the middle of okay. the old Gen Z and millennial. So oh, yes. One way you can look at it, I'm a millennial as I'm 22. Otherwise, you can you can say Gen Z, because according to Forbes, that's people born from the mid-1990s. Right. And I'm 96, so yeah. that makes sense, to early 2000s. How do you feel? Like, how would you say, would you say you feel like a Gen Z, or you feel like a millennial, or you're happy to sit on the cusp? I feel like a millennial. Yeah? Oh, you do? Yeah. Ah. Oh, why Because I feel that? like the people younger than me that I know are the Gen Zs. And do you think their behaviours are different to you? I think so, yeah. Okay, gosh, I think in that weird transitional period. Yes. Like, I'm not so obsessed with Instagram, but yeah. I am. 
at yeah. the same time. Yeah, yeah. You sort of know, you probably, if I bet between you and I, we could have chats and there'll be things you knew more about Gen Z wise than myself. But just because I'm 30, obviously, and there's like an eight year gap. Yeah. So that is kind of, that's enough for me to be like, oh, really? You know, oh, they kids do this. These days. Oh, kids these days did this. Exactly. So let's go into our myths. Let's, let's see yeah, what let's we're working with here. So we've chosen three myths that we're going to work on debunking for you today. So I think we should get stuck into the first one, Alex. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so myth number one. The younger generations have bad money habits, i.e. headlines like millennials unable to buy houses due to avocado and toast and latte habits. So this is very much focusing on the fact that, like, you know, we have bad money habits because we're spending on kind of useless rubbish like trendy food and therefore cannot buy houses. It's interesting. So I wonder what, how they define a good money habit. Is that saving our money, putting it away, never doing anything, cooking at home every night? Yeah. Is that a good money habit? I think I ultimately Saving think, for retirement? Yeah. I think that's what people that's what people think. And I think when you're that much closer to it, it's very easy to be like and you've and you've been paying into your retirement pot. It's very easy to be smug and be like, you should be doing this, they should be doing that, you God, know. Doesn't that sound boring? It does sound boring and it sounds like a very easy habit to fall into as an older person, I Absolutely, think. Absolutely, yeah. Very easy to sort of look back. People don't you think people forget very quickly like what it was like? I do, and I think it would be surprising to hear that when they were our age, the people that are saying these comments, did they really sit at home and do nothing? No, I don't think so. I mean, things probably cost a little bit, you know, due to inflation, everything like that, and and wages, the costs were probably, they were different. Yeah. But when you look at it from what they were actually doing and how they were spending their money, I don't think it would differ much. No, I don't think so. Well, I think of my dad and how he sort of talks about what I should be doing with my money sometimes. And then I think, but he talk, he does talk about when he was younger, there was a lot of pub action going on. Yeah. There was a lot of concert action going on. Um, he did play a lot of sports. I think I think that way, you know, he always sort of says that playing a lot of sports kept him out of trouble. Yeah, kind yeah. Because he could have easily fallen into <laughs> trouble. But I think um, the other thing, I guess, to note here is that actually potentially there's not a direct sort of correlation between what the old, uh, other generations, our parents' generation potentially were doing to us because actually the world is oh, so, so different. different. And exactly. And and with the availability of everything these days, it's, mm. it is pretty conscious effort not to spend money. Yeah. Because I can pull out my phone, I can buy a holiday to Italy in a couple of clicks. Yeah. So it's so easy to now spend money. Do you think it's almost like, you know, this kind of instant gratification world we're living in? I Do you think that's almost... Because some people see it as such a bonus and I'm sure people... That, if people were going to use a kind of berating phrase, they'd be like, you guys have it easy. You can just buy things like this. You can just do things at the click of your... In my day, we had to go and walk to the shop. Yeah. But actually, in some ways, I find it's almost like an abusive thing <laughs> to shovel this instant gratification in our face because it's actually making it more of a challenge to sort of to sort of do things that, that you need that long-term focus for. I think we're all, it's almost we're developing good habits because we're think? resisting all the temptation. Yeah, you have we to. we really wanted to, we could we could seriously spend some money. Yeah, yeah, we could. But with, I think, you know, buying housing and, and preparing yourself for the future, we'd have to make a very, very conscious decision not to spend money. Exactly. Because yeah. it's interesting, you know, I was, I was reading it the other day that there's a lot of number of millennials now buying homes and that has to do with... And what they thought it was because of our spending habits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact is that the medium sale price for homes has yeah. increased by 258%. Oof. That is 
shocking and to hear. And what's even it. worse is the median income in the well, this is for the US has only increased by 149. percent Well, there we go. So it's not even remotely keeping up. No, that that gap is ridiculous, and I think that. I think that that gap explains it all because I, I certainly feel that there's such a huge gap between salary now and house price. Yeah. Um, more than ever before. So what does that do then to the to your psychology as as somebody? It's who's discouraging, earned, isn't it? Yeah, of course. You just it is. feel like you're never going to achieve. You're never going to achieve it. You're never going to actually be able to buy the house. Yeah. So it's almost like, well, well why bother? Yeah. I'm not exactly. going to save. I'm going to I'm going to actually go out and enjoy my life and spend my money how I want. Yeah. And I don't need to be told how to do that. Well, that's probably where the phrase, like, where the, why the YOLO phrase like, yeah, inhabited such a big part of our life. I think it's sort of on the way out, but I think that... <laughs> for the last five years. For the last five years, yeah, maybe. Maybe there's still the old, the old, the old bit of... The old old-fashioned bit of me occasionally using it. But I think it, it definitely was, you know, maybe that's kind of where it came from, the sense of, like, well, what's the point in building for my future when I can't trust what's going on? There's, there's no sort of... Uh, visual goal in sight here light at the end of the tunnel no. that I can I can envision because of because of all this so why not just enjoy my life you know and because even looking at that we we can see that it's raising and so all we think is oh well that's just going to keep going up yeah so no matter what I can do I'm never actually going to be able to afford it yeah no 100% and then we we were talking about this earlier today you were telling me about the student loan situation in the UK yeah tell me how that works okay so Basically, there was, especially over the period that I was going to university, I'd say within a, a sort of span of like five or six years, there were some big changes. So my brother is about 34, and he um, he was at the end of the sort of phase of people who were paying about £1,200 a year for their student fees. And he lived at home, for example, that take my brother's case. He lived at home, went to university, and has no student debt because of that's a very achievable amount. Yeah, definitely. You know, he, did he work as well during that He time? worked part-time yeah. as well, yeah, and and was training to be... He, he did sports science, trained to be a teacher, and um, and that was all, that was all hunky-dory and sorted, basically. I, um, for my year, it was £3,000 per year. Wow, so it's doubled. So it, it uh, nearly tripled. Well, because yeah. he was like 1200 so it's nearly tripled in, in price. Price, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So he came out with £3,600 in debt. Well, could have been for his fees. I came out with nine grand, basically, at the end of it. That's how much I'd spent on wow. my fees. And then a couple of years later, it then increased to £9,000 per year. So now people are coming out with £27,000 debt. That's a big amount of debt. And you do get interest on top of that? Yeah, uh, yeah. There is like a there is a small amount of interest, but there's a there's a lack of a there's a less urgency to pay it off. Yeah. Basically. I think that so for example, people don't tend to rush and even I've listened to people like Money Saving Expert and they always say, you know, your student loan is one of the debts that you don't necessarily need to pay off as urgently. It's it's the least kind of uh kind of d- dangerous debt to Isn't have. Isn't that scary though? That we we're told yeah. that Oh, yeah. this this debt you can pay off at a later date. Don't worry about that one. Yeah. Worry about all the other debts you're going to have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't, I'm not, In I don't terms want of to money go management. buy a house. Exactly. I don't want to go buy a house knowing that I've already got this looming student loan debt of yeah. £30,000 that I'm going to have to pay eventually. Well, yeah, there's all of on that. On top of my mortgage and in rates and insurance. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. But it's... It's it's kind of not so bad in the sense that I think a lot of people are just treating it like a tax. So yeah. as a debt, there are you know it's it's something that I think is lower down on people's minds. It still hangs over you like a little cloud, mm-hmm. um, but obviously that's something else to think about. But in terms of like what we're working towards, right? In terms of this sort of unachievable house buying sort of lifestyle, apparently sixty four percent of UK millennials are still working towards it. 
So there was a money survey conducted, a study of a study of over 4,000 UK adults aged 18 to 35 found buying a property, getting married and having a family are still top ambitions uh, for 10 million millennials, wow. 64%, 64% of them. That's incredible. Yeah. And it's really high. Yeah. And it's exactly in line with the people who are saying that, you know, we have the bad habits. Like, we still want to do these things. Yeah. But it's interesting to see that, I mean, while it is a top ambition, do you do you really know many people who are achieving that at in the time frame that they're happy with, or do you think it's been pushed on later in life now? I think it's a mixture of both. So I always say in cities I find that the the age of people gets later and later of when yeah, they start to yeah, do those definitely. things. And then people I know either are having, you know, help with of bank of mum and dad, for yep. example, but just more like might buying flats rather than houses. Or they're just accepting, you know, biting the bullet and saying we have to move out of London. So, lot, of, uh, you know, wherever city you, you might be, uh, wherever you are, I, was, I don't know if this must be a common experience, but you end up going to either suburbs or different, you know, cheaper cheaper cities. So pe- people go to Bristol, yeah, it does, and Manchester, seem, and and then they seem to come back maybe to the city later in life. Yeah, like sometimes. Go out and, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So I mean, there are. It's interesting that that's still a goal. Like I think ultimately, like people do want to. We might get to a stage where they think, you know, I want to start building something more secure. Um, but I think that it's, you know, I think it's still it's still something that maybe we picked up from our parents' generation and yeah. what their hopes and wishes are. and or, or maybe not. I mean, another thing here is it talks about, it, that there's, a, there's another statistic here, that six out of ten people admit they would rather miss out on special occasions than borrow money so they can achieve these kind of things. Yeah. So people are exercising discipline. We don't want to make out that millennials are just sitting on apps swiping. Like There are <laughs> obviously like a group of people, a percentage of people who are still really thinking, you know, are willing to sacrifice and are going through periods where they might be saving a lot more. You know, I think it's pos- it, it Absolutely. And I think from the GFC, you know, the, the global financial crisis, that millennials especially, and, and Gen Z not so much because we were younger during that time, mm. are very financially risk-adverse. Right. And that's interesting how you said it because, you know, debt really is a fact of life and, yeah. and it's inevitable and it's pretty much for them, for 99% of people unavoidable. Um, but millennials just seem to hate it. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. just no one wants, no one seems to really want a credit card as much anymore. You know, we like to shy away from those products. We have new financial tools, which, you know, like Monzo and Revolut and these challenger banks, which are, provide a lot of clarity with our money. Yes. But they're not really helping set us up for the future. For sure. But I think, for example, myself, I, I've, I've got a credit card yeah. that I had when I was in a job uh, and I knew I could pay off, whereas now I know that I'm using Monzo as well. So I'm, I'm kind of in this transitionary place where I'm sort of, I've got that old debt mindset with credit and I'm trying to move over to a new place, you know, with Monzo. Yeah. Um, because I think there there was a period of, of life where people, you know, feel like living with debt is okay. Uh, you know, people get come to get to grips with that because they're like, well, that's just the way my life's going to have to be to yeah. achieve all of these things. Whereas I think there's a shift in people moving over to these new ways of thinking and banking as well. So I think there's, like, people are thinking of things in a, in smarter ways. Um, the house pricing thing is is a shame. It's just a shame, really. It's just, it's a bit of a shame, but I think people are finding different solutions. You Absolutely. Know, you can do shared ownership. I think people are just renting for longer now. Or people renting for longer, and yeah. And are okay with that. We know in Germany that to rent and hold these 10, 15-year leases is really normal. Yeah. And there's no there's no shame in that. I think people might just be worried, and especially the baby boomers, because they look at their property as their retirement. Yeah, 100%. And that's their, that's their one asset. But that doesn't mean that just because we don't have that, that we're not investing in ourselves in other ways. You know, yeah. there's financial tools, like 
automatic investing and stocks and stuff that we can do these days. And there's plenty of other ways to start building the wealth. Yeah, for sure. And maybe it's just because they're not as in tune with them. Yeah. That they're, they're, they shy away from it and then say that we have these bad habits, but they're just not really aware of what we're really doing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's more, maybe the, there's a sh- it's just a shift in mindset and reframing the way we see living and housing and, and, and buying things. And actually, there's been so much innovation because of this yeah. shift, which is incredible, you know. It's been amazing. Yeah, it's been a good time. Are you ready for the second myth? Yes, I'm ready. I love this one. Younger consumers are killing traditional businesses. What? So we're being blamed. We're being blamed for this now. For killing traditional businesses. What do you think about that? I think that, oh gosh, it just reminds of like an old person pointing and saying, it's your fault. In my day, we didn't do this. But now, oh, the shops are closing down because you youngsters are just buying off Amazon, (laughs) which maybe, maybe there is a little bit of truth in that. But I just think, hang on a minute, what's really, like, can you, let's stop blaming what's... Take, let's take, yeah, situation? exactly. Let's take a deep dive into what our experiences are. Because for me, we've, we've got some examples of the dying businesses. Okay. Casual dining chains. Have, <laughs> have you ever been in a casual dining chain? I'm trying to think of one. I yeah, can't even think like, of one. Well, casual dining chains. I think of places I used to go when I was like 16, and I wasn't old enough to go to a club. But me and my friends would be like, "Let's go to this diner and eat here before we go to the cinema." Yeah. You know, and then, <laughs> but it was just kind of. Yeah, not not huge amount of selection compared to what we can no. get now, for example. And I think that's the thing. And, and admittedly, the quality of the products and the service and the mm. atmospheres, it's not the best. Yeah. It's not great. And yeah. everyone knows that we are the generation of experience first. Yeah. We would rather spend our money on, you know, things that actually are more enjoyable and they don't necessarily need to be tangible. So yeah. while, yeah, there's a big element that we're always shopping on ASOS and Amazon and whatnot, but we also like to spend it on travel and, yeah. and movies like you suggested and nice dinners out. And it's not, I don't think it's millennials that are killing it. They've killed it for themselves because they've not adapted to the times. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's a lack of adaptation. I mean, in terms of the, the price point of like a casual dining chain, I think it's, it's like, well, if, rather than going and sitting in this place where you're going to get sort of average service, people are actually saying, we can just have a better time at home as well, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. You know, with our family, just With our family, our friends, maybe put something on TV. Yeah. And, and you would pay the same amount because they're not necessarily the cheapest places in the world. No, not really. Yeah, when you think about all the different products, because there's such a wide range of products available, when you, when you think about what you're getting there, value for money, it's not great, is it? No, it's not. And the next one's banks. I mean, who has had a good experience with a bank? <sighs> Sigh, deep sigh. <laughs> oh, I, all I think about is queues. I just think about... Yeah, yeah, that, definitely. There was a situation where I had to get uh, a card delivered to my place, yep. like a credit card, but I moved to a place where they couldn't access my post box. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to get delivered to the shop below, and they were very kindly getting it delivered there. But I didn't want it delivered there because I just moved there and I didn't know if it was, like, secure. So I had to go to this bank, queue up, and it was only open between 9 and 2 in a very busy, busy central part of London. And it was horrendous trying yep. to get there in the lunch yep. hour with the queue and so old-fashioned, like, so... The systems were not very advanced. No, that's terrible. I remember moving over here last year and trying to set myself up with one of the banks. And the process online itself to get set up was horrendous. It was like 10 pages long of just useless information. And it's, it goes pretty in-depth. You're giving these people a very strong snapshot into your life. Yeah. And then it gets to it's like, well, that was exhausting. Yeah. But I'm done. <laughs> yeah. And then they have the cheek to say, now you have to come into the bank yeah. and verify everything. 
Yeah, for sure. But who's got the time to do that? No, it's not. It's just, it's more to do with like, it's like, it's not the most, it doesn't feel efficient when there are other pl- places having innovations that are being, making it simple. For example, you talked about Revolut, Yeah, right? and that's the good thing. I mean, things are going, thankfully now, I mean, these these are, we mentioned before, these challenger bags, and they're creating such a wonderful experience. I mean, we can sign up. My girlfriend just came over and she can create a bank account within two minutes. Yeah, that's and, amazing. And we can transfer money in between the two. She can go out and go shopping and is to her heart's content. <laughs> but it's that's how easy it is. Yeah. So it is progressing into a good direction. And with Revolut, and like, uh, so you're a fan of Revolut. We're both fans of Monzo. I've got yeah, my Monzo yeah. card. Love it. Uh, you can just get paid. You're, you can give that to your employer straight away. Absolutely. So, that, I mean, that's how I've I've done it here. Yeah, and you're getting paid into it. Yeah, yep, and you can exactly. So things like that. You know, the fact that you know it can be done so easily makes you kind of more cross when you go back to the old-fashioned yeah, ways, does, doesn't, doesn't it? it? I think that's what the, the the other point of it is: is that when you know how easily you can get a Monzo or Revolut, when you go back to your t- traditional bank, you think, why has this got to be so old-fashioned? It's it's kind of frustrating. But the other thing is that we're thinking about online shopping here, right, and how people think that millennials are very self-interested, mm. very self-obsessed. And this brings me to think about online shopping and what the way that I've, you know, worked with that, for example. So I've ordered things before and and taken them back to shops, for example. You've, wa- you've, you've worn them and then returned them? I have. And I oh, don't think shame. I'm the first. I know that there could be an element of shame around this, but the reason why I'm feeling so okay to say it is because I feel that I can't be the only one. No, and, definitely not. And I think that um, it's to do with, you know, this imposter syndrome and this link with social media being so strong now because yep. I think there was a... I think, obviously, there's a lot of slow fashion influencers who are changing the way things are being looked at. But in this snapshot of my sort of 20s, not that long ago, I was getting into a situation where my career was going in a certain direction and I wanted to appear to look a certain way in front of certain yeah. people. So I would buy outfits to wear for those occasions, be snapped in them, and then return It's the social them. pressure of it all, isn't it? Yeah, for, for sure. There was definitely a social element to it. And... Actually, Instagram, I was a heavier Instagram user, I think, at that point. Um, does it turn you into a bit of a narcissist? Does it turn you into this sort of person who wants to curate this celebrity-looking lifestyle for yourself? I think maybe so. I think while millennials do get a bad rap, we do need to accept responsibility for for things like that. And and as you mentioned, I mean, we we can see from all the articles coming out from these fast fashion retailers that retur- serial returners, <laughs> serial returners, that's, <laughs> that's me, are, well, you were, were. They, that, it's a big problem. Yeah. And it's a big cost to the business, but also environmentally as well. Yeah. And all the packaging and the, and the delivery vans and the returns of that, it's it's not good. Yeah. But as you mentioned, we're now starting to see this transition to slow fashion. Yes. Which, which is incredible. Is amazing and um and kind of makes me think, you know, because of the co- conversations I've been having recently and you know, learning about slow fashion influencers and people having the, you know, the sustainability di- yeah. discussion is huge. It's make it's completely taken the shame away out of, you know, me thinking, well, I wore this dress last week, should I wear it again? Or so ridiculous thing that I can't believe. I feel sick thinking that I think like that, <laughs> to be honest, because I find it a bit gross. But I, I have thought like that before, you know, should I be wearing this this week? Because oh, I wore everyone this has, a couple of weeks ago last month. But that, but uh, um, there was an influencer who wore, who put a dress online and showed three different occasions she wore that dress to. Really nice. And it's like, yeah, that's okay to to invest in a nice piece and wear it over again is normal. Like normalising it and that collective shift in the culture. it's a funny stigma, isn't it? Like that you'd buy something, especially something more expensive, hmm. and then feel like you can only wear it once. Yeah. Or you have to avoid wearing something that you like. That's the reason you bought it in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> because you're like, oh, wait, last week I wore this to... 
Yes. It's a completely different place with completely different people, but... But I don't know if it still exists, but I remember Lily Allen um, and her sister a few years ago opened a... Uh, a rental, a vintage rental, like dress rental shop, mm-hmm. where you could go and rent thing, rent you know nice pieces, yeah, yeah. wear them and take them back. So that initially, that when I me- I remember hearing about that and thinking, yeah, that's, that's cool. a good idea. Yeah, that's really cool. But it depends because then I was thinking, well, the price of renting then was like the same as like buying an, a, a, another decent dress. So it's like, what do you do? Whereas at least with slow fashion, the, the emphasis isn't on spending more money to do something to for sustainability. It's like you just you bu- you save up, you buy the item, and you treasure it and wear it I, over. Again. Again, and look good in it over again. Like, what's not to like? About yeah, exactly. That? And I think that's really cool. And while yeah, there's a there's a myth around that that we're un- shopping unsustainably. We're learning. Yeah. And we are trying to progress, which is very cool. And I think that's probably more than a lot of the other generations can say. Yeah. That do get stuck into the old ways, and no, and no, they might not necessarily be doing the same shopping habits, but at least we've recognised it's a problem. Yeah. And now have this social conscience where we want to be sustainable and eco-friendly and buy things that we love and treasure them and actually just get rid of the stigma where yeah. I'll wear it again. I like this dress or well, not in my case, but I like this jacket. <laughs> Alex, what are you trying to say? That's okay. You can confess all <laughs> Only here. on Fridays. No, that, <laughs> that's great. No, that's that's awesome. Let's get into the final myth, shall we? Yeah, let's we? do it. So, myth number three. Millennials are lazy and entitled. Uh, are we now? Yeah. Well, how, have you ever felt that anyone's felt this way about you Alex because I mean, because yours is a you're slightly different in the sense I don't know you you can tell me whether you th- think you're different but because you are sort of working on a business you know entrepreneurial from a young age mm-hmm. has anyone ever assumed that you are being lazy yeah I, I think everyone kind of feels those pressures in some way or another and while it might not necessarily be feel like I'm being pressured that I'm lazy it's more that we're the younger generation so we need to be apparently working harder than everyone else, which yeah. which makes sense. And I think everyone does work really hard. But because we are younger and they say we're fresher and, and everything like that, there is definitely this perception that we have to be the hardest working people in the room. Otherwise, we're immediately the laziest. Right, yeah, because we should be put, put, being put to good use for, for something. It's, yeah, the, uh, the classic, oh, you're young, you can do it. Yeah. So, oh, oh, okay, yeah. sweet, thanks. Yeah, 100%. I felt that before. So apparently, we're the most educated generation. So in 2013, it was reported that 47% of us have received post-secondary degrees and an additional 18% have completed some sort of post-secondary education. So the rise in education has changed the landscape of the job market because in the 70s, only 30% of jobs require a degree. Yeah. And now 65% require a degree. Although that does make me think about you know, this degree inflation is also makes me laugh because I know there are so many degrees where I think that does not need to be a degree. Oh, there's a degree for everything, <laughs> yeah. isn't there? And and therefore there's a there's been a rise in universities as businesses popping things in this lifestyle in our face and being like, come to university yeah. and uh, you know, come and do this degree, which actually you don't really need, but we'll take your money for that thing. And who are those people pushing those degrees onto us though? Well, the same ones saying we have bad habits. Yeah, bad in, a, in habits. essence, yeah. And it's just they say exactly it's another degree, another cost. Yeah. So more debt means that we can't afford housing and and prepare ourselves for the future. Uh, but it's an amazing stat. With regards to this sort of lazy entitled thing, I think it's also to do with there's a really interesting shift in storytelling, right? Because we've got a lot of podcast, the rise of podcasts, yep. books, and well, audio books and 
information sharing through social media. And I don't know about you, but like when you're on the way up, you're you're an entrepreneur, I'd say, right? Would you say, Alex? Yeah, yeah? I'd say so. You'd say, would you say, Alex? <laughs> Just checking that you're okay with that incredible title. And um, I've definitely had a career change. And in in doing that, you have to look at, I look at other people's stories to mm. try and get there. But I have a real problem with the PR story. I'm doing the inverted yeah, commas thing. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Because... I think that people will get to a certain point of success, then tell their backstory. And I do wonder how much romanticism and idealism has been applied to that. You know, what I th- what because actually then that makes you feel like quite inadequate because you think, okay, well, they did it this way and it didn't take them this long, so I'm going to try and follow that path. But what I feel should be happening is we should be- get people mid-career, mid-rise, saying, actually, the reality is... It's a journey. It's yeah. not... It's, and because they do... They, I know what you mean. They do kind of make it seem like it's an overnight thing. Like, yeah. oh, I lived in a house with my eight brothers and sisters, and now I'm worth $100 million. Yeah. Okay, so what happened in between that? Yeah, and in between. But they'll tell the and headlines the in between. Yeah. But the headlines are still, sometimes I think there is an element of poverty that gets romanticised in a story, you know. Yeah, definitely. We were living like this, and, you know, we didn't have anything, but we to- but we sat by the fire and told <laughs> each other stories all night. And it's like, actually, what about all the arguments you had? What about the breakup you had because you were not seeing that person or, you know, like, right, like now, I think it's important to say, you know, even as, as a performer or presenter or host or whatever and people I know who are comedians on doing well still have day jobs yeah. they still have to do these things and, and graft a lot um, there's the gig economy where people are I know a lot of people in com, in the performing industry have to do those kind of jobs yeah. delivery um, you know doing um, sort of agency work getting paid for the job you do because you have if you're striving to reach this kind of career goal that isn't conventional or doesn't follow this nine to five, what else have you got to do? And absolutely, you know, there's there's a lot of that. And I think, I think I think it's a, I think the biggest thing is it's a lack of understanding. I know because yeah. personally, I've always heard you got to have you have to go get a degree because mm. then you'll get a good job and then you'll have your stable nine to five and then buy a home and get married and kids and et cetera, et cetera. But like you mentioned on the gig economy, the world's just changing. Yes. So you, while it's amazing to hear that we are the most educated. Uh, generation that's ever been, it's still, I mean, you said 65% of jobs require degrees. There's still a massive, massive proportion that don't, mm, yeah. which, uh, which seem to be getting ignored. And, and with the gig economy, people can just go out on their own yeah. and make a great living for themselves and do yeah. what they want, which is really probably more important doing what makes them happy and removing all the pressures of life as opposed to thinking that, wait, hang on. I have to get this job and have to do this. Yeah, and again, through being able to do those jobs, I know people, like, you talk to Uber drivers, for example, and they'll talk about their other business that they're developing and and things like that. So there's lots of innovation and good things going on, but I think it's kind of like the dream, this lazy and entitled thing, I think links into the fact that you feel like you're being sold a dream, like where you should be. And that's where people think we're entitled. But it's also, let's take, maybe it's it's pressure. It just kind of feels like pressure. So people working towards that pressure can sometimes mean that, you know, you feel impatient to reach that goal. Yeah, you know, you want to, and definitely. you want to kind of find ways to reach that quicker. But actually, like we said earlier, we've, we're almost being challenged in our sort of long-term grip because we've got all these things at our fingertips that are saying, "Have this now." And actually, it's like, no, you need to work towards getting it. And people do know that in their in their hearts and minds. I think it's just sort of the education around that separating the two. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And you touch you touch base on pressure. Mm. And and this is interesting. D- did you know that millennials they feel the most pressure out of anyone? It does not surprise me. Sixty-seven percent said they felt extreme pressure to succeed compared to 40% of Gen Xs and 23% of boomers. Wow. Was that like a poll or something? Or? Yeah, it was a poll from Inc.com. Okay. So they obviously went out there and asked how people were feeling about wow. life and the journey, and, and they did a great spread over multiple generations. Mm. And unsurprisingly, we're the generation now that feels 
the most pressure. Yeah. Well, it's well. That, let's think of those like quotes. You know, you get those quotes everywhere that yep. get, people yep. have on their wall, like to keep going and and achieve and believe and all that kind of thing. We're sort of we're sort of being bombarded with a lot of that as well. And and it made me think the other day. I was uh, not the other day. This was last month actually. I had a chat with with a friend, and she's very content with just we're the same age. Yeah. She's very content with just having with the simple things in life, you know, and wanting the simple things and not actually being defined by what her job will be and what her goals are at all it's amazing which is an amazing thing and actually a lot of people are you know with with the kind of uh, rise in in things like mindfulness meditation Mm -hmm. people are trying to get people to slow down and realize that maybe you are as a person you know you are enough rather than like you being in this job and having this title is enough um because i think there's been such a huge push on dreaming believing achieving that actually we're forgetting that you know we don't do, do you know we don't need to have so much of that pressure but I think it's hard to remember that when we're bombarded with what well, we we're are and with. we're always seeing stuff on Instagram on Facebook about you know Mark Zuckerberg and how successful he is and all our friends and they're doing amazing trips overseas but, and while we're just sitting at home doing nothing yeah and it's it's hard because it makes you feel like you're somewhat inadequate you know yeah. you're not doing some of these great things that others are doing and it, and it builds the pressure yeah because everyone wants that yes and it's all about this comparing the highlight reel to your real life yeah, and it's just sure. never going to live up it's never going to be the same. For sure. And and it can lead, obviously there's, you know, it goes without saying that that then also leads to people having increased mental health yeah. issues. And, and, and in that way, sometimes people can't even get to work, you know, or don't feel like they want to. They don't feel like they want to engage and go out there and take risks and try new things and get new, get the, you know, step out of their comfort zones because it feels too risky and feels like it's such a worrying place. But I guess that the counter for that is like, look, what, what I'm benefiting greatly from is this kind of new wave of mindfulness and yeah it's great isn't meditation it? yeah meditation is definitely part of my life and now that's, i think that's something that millennials and and gen z should be really proud of is that we've kind of normalized talking about mental health yes because it's always been so fra- not necessarily frowned upon but just pushed away yeah and now it's at the forefront of everyone's minds and everyone's talking about it and it's okay to be open about how you're feeling it's okay to talk you know, to take a day just for yourself yeah. and for your, for your peace of mind. And that's so important. It's incredible. Yeah. So I don't think we're lazy and entitled. It's just, it's it's like the other points that we've touched on. Things have just changed. Yeah. And we're just having to figure out ways to adapt to that, basically. Yeah, and our place in the world. Yeah, for sure. So let's look at how we can sort of like, what, what can we take away from this then, Alex? What's your takeaway from the first one? That, that we have bad money habits that actually, you know, are we really spending on kind of avocado and toast and brunches and coffee <laughs> when we should be buying houses? Like, what what's your kind of feeling about that now that we sort of explored it a bit more? I think that while while we do seem to spend money on on things that don't necessarily set us up for life, these the the same things that we're not saving for or setting us up for are becoming more and more unattainable mm. because it's just that's just the nature of it with rising house costs. Income incomes aren't increasing enough, and we're we're kind of in this mentality. Well, I just want to go and live my life and do what I want, yeah. and, and and I will, and I will spend it on experiences, and if and I'm okay to rent for the next ten years. And yeah. So I think it, it's kind of a mixed bag. Yeah, mixed I, bag of feelings. Yeah. And at the end of the day, when it comes to money habits and learning financial tools and instruments like that. We can only rely on the older generations to help teach us that. Yeah. So I think it's a little bit of give and take. Yeah, I agree. I think it'd be nice if there was like a bit more like recognition of of 
of that situation. I think things like the lifetime ISA is good. We, we, yeah, we talked yeah. about in a, another episode, with, which is the saving, um, you know, saving £4,000 a year and the government puts a, a grand towards your house. That's a nice way of recognising it. Um, but, you know, what I would also say is like maybe someone who's got like five properties could just like, you know, do a lottery one year and just see <laughs> if someone could win one, you know. <laughs> and just do, would you do that? I would ha- totally win that. We need little ways of gaining hope, you know, and some people have too many, so. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what about the second? one okay younger consumers are killing traditional businesses how do you feel about that yeah no I feel that I, I agree with what you said about the fact that it's, it's all about adapting you know we can easily blaming gets you nowhere it, it's good it's good to look at a potted history sometimes to sort of say this is the diagnosis of what we think happened yeah. but ultimately it's like yeah changes have always happened we as human beings don't ever look back and say this is how we shaped and changed the world no one likes to think their generation was the worst one but you know we've we've had an impact on things sure but I actually think that we're looking at ways of changing and innovating. So, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing that there are different ways of buying and purchasing, you know, whether it be online or through apps or mm. through building our own experiences. Yeah. I think people just need to adapt. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's it more than anything. It's not that we are killing these businesses. It's just that if, if in a good way, we have higher expectations, as we should. Yeah. Because we shouldn't go to a store or a restaurant and spend our hard-earned money and get you know, have a, have a crap experience. It's yeah. just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And we won't do it because we're very, I feel like millennials are very onto it with that. And then we will go and share that. We're like, well, don't go to this store. It's like, yeah, exactly. don't go eat here. The food's, the food was terrible. Yeah. Word of mouth is powerful. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just, businesses need to change yeah. and they need to move with the times. They can't expect the same results by not catering to the new audiences. Yeah. Exactly. And myth three, millennials are lazy and entitled. What's your takeaway? I don't like this one. I think this is quite nasty. <laughs> it's mean. No, it's not good. And I think with the social pressures of everything, with social media, that this this is the worst one. We get a really tough rap for being well, exactly lazy and entitled. And uh, yeah, there could be a small element that we are entitled yeah. because we've always had everything in the palm, you know, instantly, like the instant gratification that we talked about. Sure. But, I don't think we're lazy. No, I think that's you're right. There's some truth in some of those things, but ultimately, for me, I think the answer is always as be as authentic as possible when you're sharing what's really going on in your story. You know, p- like people need to talk about what's actually happening in their PR story of their life or their career, and talk about money issues and be honest. And that way, I think the, bu- the bubble can be burst because people won't tr- strive to achieve this like fake pressured situation, yeah. which isn't really real. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I mean, do you really, do you think that we, we need to be stopping spending on our takeaway coffees, Alex, to buy a house? What do you reckon? I don't think so. No. I think a coffee here, here and there is not going not gonna to sink the ship. All right, but before we do that, we like to play a game called The Million Dollar Question. Ka-ching! You ready for today's? I'm ready. All right, here's this week's Million Dollar Question. Is it true or false that only 8% of the world's currency is in cash? Ooh, how much? 8%? 8%. I want to say true. It is. Ah. It is true. Almost 92% of the world's money now exists in electronic form. Oh, that does not surprise me. The world is moving forward, Alex. It is, isn't it? At it great is. paces. Is that what you're going to use? Are you going to use a card to pay for the uh, coffee? I know I keep going on about it, but... Uh... Oh, Apple Pay will be good. Apple Pay will be good. Awesome. Should All right. Thanks for listening to Consumerosity. Hit subscribe in your favourite podcast app and join us for future episodes. <laughs>